0: This is the Mormon Expression Podcast. Find us on the web at mormonexpression.com. Welcome back to another episode of Mormon Expression. I'm your host, John Larson. And tonight we are continuing our series of interviewing the regular panelists. And tonight we're talking to our newest panelist, Mike. Mike, how are you doing tonight?
1: Hello, good evening.
0: So Mike has been with us for a few uh, few weeks now. And um, we brought Mike on for... Oh, well, I guess we'll get into that. But the, the biggest... Uh, um, the biggest factor about you, Mike, is that you are 100% believing Mormon straight through, right? Correct. You know, we have um, George and Tom on who are active members and who who have who are believing real Mormons that hold temple recommends and all that. I think uh, Tom still holds his temple recommend, but they have some issues with the faith. We'd call them, you know, sort of New Order Mormons, but that's not you, right?
1: No, that's not me. Do they did they post on the New Order Mormon board?
0: They do, both of them do, but I'm not going to reveal their aliases here. Um, maybe <laughs> people can figure it out. Um, actually, I can't quite remember. I, they, they're open about it. If you if you head over to the New Order Mormon board and and say, hey, who, who are the guys from Mormon Expression? They'll they'll come on and, and answer it. Yeah, they they post over at the nom boards. You, do you post there?
1: No, I I really kind of restrict myself to Shades board. Yeah, I guess what? Mormon discussions board.
0: And do you want to reveal your secret identity there?
1: Uh, I'm Gazelle, I'm on Shade's board.
0: Yeah, so on, on uh, Dr. Shade's board, Dr. Shade, if you recall, w- was with us in episode two, and he runs the Mormon Discussion Board, which is kind of the wild, wild west of uh, of Mormon boards because they don't ban anybody from um, Dr. Shade's board. So you get some really good, high-quality posters. There's a lot of um, PhDs and, uh, and uh, really intelligent people who post there, but there's a lot of nutballs too. And um, Mike here is one of the few who has the guts to stick up to all of that. And he has been defending the faith on that board for quite some time.
1: Uh, 2006, I think, is when the, the board started up again. I guess it had a previous incarnation, but uh, the current one has been around since 2006.
0: So, um, uh, oh, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, I tried, I tried to go to the, uh, I guess they call it the mad board, uh, Mormon apologetics and discussion. Uh, that one was a little fast for me. There's a lot of people that post there and shades is a nice, even, uh, I don't like the pace there a little more.
0: Yeah. So, um, that's kind of how, uh, uh Mike and I connected. We started, we've, we've both been on the posting on the board for a few years now. And, um, you know, I've been looking for a sort of someone to represent sort of the home team and um because of the sort of criticism or um I I don't know what a better word is that that we're we're willing to criticize the church or look at the church critically, you know, a lot of um TBMs are kind of scared off by that environment. So I need somebody who could who could stomach that and that's you.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't have a problem discussing those things. I I I actually find it really interesting because I find out a lot of stuff that I hadn't heard before. It, you know, you get different perspectives on it and, uh, you know, it, it gets the juices flowing and gets you to study in your books and, and read and look these things up and uh, I enjoy it.
0: Well, that's good. I, I know it's, uh, it's not easy and, um, you know, we've seen you take a few darts already <laughs> and you'll probably take more that, um, you know, there's a... There's, uh, we could call it prejudice on all sides. There's people who, whatever their position is, be it about religion or politics, they don't want to hear the other side. And they don't want to hear people express or defend what, um, they see as an attack, I suppose.
1: Yeah, it's, 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 it can be tough if you, uh, I, I guess I didn't come up in the church the same way where that kind of stuff scared me. I, uh, the way I came up in the church is, it, I really got my testimony on my mission. So that environment that the mission gave you, you know, it, it challenges you. You're out there talking to people that, uh, I went to Scotland and that the whole Catholic and, and uh, Protestant thing was going on. And, you know, you, there was that animosity, I guess you could say. And, uh, you kind of learn to enter into that atmosphere and have a good open discussion about religion. And, uh, uh, So that's kind of, I guess that's why these anti-Mormon things don't bother me so much is I'm, I'm open to that discussion.
0: Now, um, so your background a little bit, were you born into the church?
1: Uh, yeah, my dad was converted as a teenager from playing football with the missionaries and, uh, he was playing with them in the park and they eventually came over to his home and, uh, his whole family was baptized, him included, and my mom was a convert. She grew up Baptist uh, down in Georgia, and she had a neighbor girl that was seeing the missionaries, not seeing, uh, she was being taught by the missionaries. And uh, so she went over to the house and started taking the discussions with them, and she got baptized, and her and my dad met in seminary in high school and uh down in Georgia. And uh, so I was born into the church through two converts.
0: So then, you grew up outside of the Salt Lake Valley. Yeah, we
1: we moved to Vegas when I was five, and so I've been a Vegas Mormon, I guess you could say.
0: Well, and there's a uh, quite a few Mormons down in Vegas, right? Oh yeah, we
1: we have a temple here, so there's enough to support a temple. Uh, we used to all make the trip out to Saint George
0: in a van and things like that, but uh, now we have our own temple here. It's sort of the uh, the Vegas dichotomy. There, it's Sin City, but if you go to the suburbs, it's full of Mormons.
1: That's correct. Yeah. It's a, it's a kind of a strange environment. Uh you got all that downtown, but yeah, it's it's good people in the suburbs.
0: And I if I if my know my history correctly, it it was a Mormon settlement to begin with, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, the fort is actually still there. If you go downtown by the uh I guess Cashman Field, next door to that is the original Mormon fort. And uh, I've never actually visited it, but I drive past it all the time.
0: So you say you Got your testimony on your mission. Um, so yeah,
1: growing up in the church, you know, you kind of, it was there, but I don't think I ever internalized it, if if you can put it that way. Uh, I saw the guys, I when I was getting close to mission time, I had to think, do I want to go? And I saw the older boys going and coming back, and I could see... What a tremendous change it had upon them. They were affected by it and they came, they went away boys and came back men. And I wanted that. And I, uh, you know, I was working construction before my mission, you know, and you had your jeans and t shirt on all day and and blasting the radio on the job site and, 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 you know, that whole environment. And to go from that, I I know the MTC was an experience because the Holy Ghost is really in the MTC very strong. And it really works on you while you're there. And then, uh, once you got in the mission field, it's, uh, no more jeans and t shirts, it's slacks and button ups and ties. And, uh, it was the first three months were hard, but, uh, I came around and, uh, I guess the big, the big, I had a minor experience three months out where I I prayed about it and was comforted. But really a year out into my mission, we uh, ran into a guy. He was a Christadelphian and he was the the minister of his church. And we went in to teach him and he he was very intelligent and knew his stuff. And, and uh, we had good conversations with him. And uh, one night we went over and uh, he had a friend of his over and we, we got into a bit of a bash, a big uh, Bible bash, throwing scriptures back and forth. And it really shook me up and upset me because, uh, you know, we're, missionaries aren't apologists. You know, we're there to teach people to pray and and understand how the Holy Ghost works. And, uh, we're not, we, we, we get a little cocky at times and, uh, he really put me in my place. So going back to the, to the apartment, my companion went to bed and I stayed up and was kind of looking up the things that we discussed and, uh, was really all upset. So I, 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 Basically, did Moroni's promise like we asked the investigators to do. I, I went over and knelt down and said a vocal prayer and let my father in heaven know what was going on and how upset I was and asked, uh, I asked him straight up, am I doing the right thing? Is this really your church? And, and, and in response to my prayer, uh, the closest way I can describe it is like being filled up with light and at the same time wrapped in a blanket and just knowing yes, you're in the right place. You're doing the right thing. Uh, this is my church. And, uh, I went from that, you know, once I recovered back to looking up the same scriptures I had such a problem with and the answers were all there. I, uh, the connections I, uh, you know, the Holy ghost will bring all things to your remembrance. They say, I, I remembered how this, these scriptures work and, and I understood everything. And, you know, I went to bed happy and peaceful and, I can any time I question my faith, I can look back on that experience and say, You know, that's the it's like it's like Christ told Peter, Your Father in heaven has let you know, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Well the rock he was talking to Peter about was the rock of Revelation. God told you, so stand here and and view things from this place. And I can look back and view things from that place and know where I stand. And and you know, that gets me through you know, every now and then something will pop up and make me question, and I'll have to look it up and wonder. And I can say, well, we'll remember God told you what's right, and work from this position. Um, so that that was my big, got my testimony of my mission. That was, I got a strong spiritual witness that I can depend upon on my mission.
0: So you kind of answered the next question I, I have, but I'll go ahead and ask it again anyway. Uh you know a lot of people who do what you do who get involved in the um online community study the history, get involved in apologetics or whatever um go through a certain crisis of faith where they realize the church maybe not what they understood it to be, and it causes them emotional distress on some level um has that happened to you how do you how do you deal with that sort of issue
1: i I've never had that issue i've never from that from that time where I got that witness. I've never questioned. I mean, I I can say probably when I was getting ready to leave on a mission, I couldn't even tell you who God was. I'd, I'd heard the things in church, but I'd never internalized. I knew who Christ was, and I knew Christ was God, but I never really connected with the Father and, and the idea of God. And uh, I can say I went through a little bit of a crisis going into my mission, saying, am I doing the right thing? But from the time I've had my spiritual experience and I knew where, how to view God and and view his Christ and and understand who Christ was, I, I've never had a, a question. I've never run across anything that said, well, maybe the church isn't true. I, from that time forward, no.
0: So would, I've never had
1: a crisis of faith.
0: Would you think it's fair to say that um, you don't believe Mormonism based on like intellectual reasoning it's more based on that emotional or that spiritual experience that, that you had on your mission and sense
1: well in, intellectually as well i mean when i when i read all my commentaries and read the scriptures and, and mormonism to me clicks into everything so well it, it it takes all the things you learn from evangelicals and all the things you learn from the jewish religions and All the things you learn from books they're digging up in the desert. It sheds light and makes all these things connect. And it's not pieces. It's, you know, I I can, I can, uh, what's a good example? Uh, Let's take, for example, Moses came from down from the mountain. And the scriptures state that his face was glowing and he had to wear a veil. You can, uh, an evangelical can read that and say, okay, the glory of God was upon him. Mormonism can explain what the glory of God is and why his face was glowing. We know that he was filled with the Holy Ghost, and he had to have the Holy Ghost within him to stand in the presence of God. We can read when Mary was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost to know that she was going to be the Mother of Christ. We know the Holy Ghost fell upon her so that she could stand in the presence of God. They had to be purified because a celestial being you'd be destroyed in their presence. See, that's what Mormonism brings to the table. Is yes, here's some old statements from these old prophets. But because Joseph Smith restored Christ's Church again, we know from modern revelation how all these things and all these pieces fit together to make this great tapestry of faith.
0: So you obviously believe that Joseph Smith was the prophet of the restoration, and that he um, spoke with God as he um, says he did. Yes. Uh so and you believe that the men leading the church today, the quorum of the twelve and the first presidency, are prophets in the same manner of Joseph Smith?
1: Uh, yeah, they're prophets, seers, and revelators. I think Joseph as a dispensation's head had a greater responsibility. Uh you know, they're but uh you know, he he was the dispensation head that he had all these things he had to bring to the table and and, and introduce, but yes, they're prophets. They're the head of Christ's church on earth.
0: So, as you kind of go out and bump into the world, and as a more of a defender of the faith, I'm I'm throwing these questions at you. What do you think are the biggest challenges to the church today?
1: Which challenges do you mean? Uh, As as Mormonism expands to, to a global religion, or... Apologist challenges, or what are you referring to? Uh,
0: I don't. I don't know. All, all of the above, I guess. I mean, um, as <laughs> as Mormonism, you know, which tries to take a, 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 what many would consider be an old fashioned message into the modern world, uh, there are many ideas that are traditional that Mormonism has. Um, you know, like the roles of men and women and issues on homosexuality that aren't as um, aren't as culturally accepted today. Um,
1: well. I th- I think that there's three main differences that set Mormonism apart from any other faith. Uh one of them is a is a real understanding of who God the Father is. Uh we take the f- term father to be literal. I know a lot of other religions, uh evangelicals, I, I think Catholicism's the same way don't they don't view us as being real children of God and him as being our father. They view God as this invisible essence that fills, he's in all things. And uh, we know him as a literal father, uh, a glorified man, a man of holiness as he's referred to in the scriptures. And we know that Christ wasn't his only, he was his only begotten son, but not his only child. We are all children of God. And we have the potential to to be like him if we would keep our covenants and allow the Holy Ghost to work upon us. The um, the same as Christ prayed in the intercessory Fair Father, as you and I are one, uh, let them be one as well. Uh, help them, assist them, bless them with the Holy Ghost that so they can be one with you as I am. Um, that's the key thing. Father means father. Child of God means child of God. If we could get the whole world to understand that, it it, it would really bring a lot of clarity and help people understand the nature of God. If we have a heavenly father, we have a heavenly mother. Uh, Women have a divine role um, to understand the nature of a woman and and that she's not, I mean, just think what that would do in the Muslim world or, you know, uh, allow a woman to be, to fulfill her potential as well. Uh, It's, it's a family effort. Our heavenly father, just as, we send our children out the door to make their way in the world. Heavenly Father's doing the same thing with us, and he wants to prepare us and help us and assist us. And if, if we could get that family idea into people's minds, what a great thing that would be.
0: So to run with your example there, how do you think the Muslim world would change if the women and men adopted, say, an LDS view of the role of the sexes?
1: i I'm no expert on no, that you know if if you get Dan Peterson on here maybe he could get better <laughs> answer that question I'm not an expert on the Muslim religion or anything, but I know that you know they
0: shroud the women and all that but maybe that's just the the more ex- okay so i I think I'm trying to understand what you're saying it it would the women would have more rights and more recognition under Mormonism than they do under Islam yeah the uh, I, I'm really not trying to I, trap you here. I'm just trying to.
1: No, I, I know. I'm trying. trying to think how to phrase my answer. I, I, I'd have to know more about Muslims to, to make an educated statement. But uh, I just, I just know that you know they, the women are treated as second class citizens as opposed to equals. Uh, one of the great reasons Abraham was such a great dispensation head is Abraham restored the idea of, of what a husband and wife really are. While the while the, the, the husband is the patriarch of the home, the, the woman is the matriarch of the home. Uh, the, the, the husband expands the family. He goes out and seals. He uh, does his duty to God to preach the gospel and to bind people into covenants with God, whereas the woman as the matriarch is the head of the house, so to speak. She creates an environment that the covenants that the husband seals can blossom in. And the woman's role is, is just as important as the man's. They just share different aspects of the responsibility. While the husband teaches and seals and, and expands God's kingdom, the woman, uh, what's the good word for it? Steedies, uh creates a, uh, an environment it can grow in. And that, that's the woman's great part in all this. Is it's equally as important. It she she maintains an environment the covenant can dwell in. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I think the way you're explaining it is probably a a, a pretty typical way that it's viewed in Mormonism today. I don't have any problem with that. Um,
1: see, that's the that's the great thing about the Abrahamic covenant, is it, it binds the, the husband and wife together and and uh, it ties them into in with Christ to to share that responsibility that Christ places upon us to teach the Heavenly Father's
0: will. So let's use that as a jumping board to talk a little bit about uh, more liberal Mormons. On this podcast, we tend to talk to Mormons who have taken a different slant on things, and I know in the recent past you've had some slight run-ins with these folks. Um, so there, there are others who view things differently. Um, you know, might view. You know, you, you're you're describing a very role based um, equity of the sexes, meaning the sexes are equal, but they have different roles. And right. there are others in the church, uh, especially on the liberal fringe, who might take a different view and say they have a different model. Um, and that, and you, you take a little umbrage with that. Uh, why is that?
1: Uh, are you referring to uh, the recent podcast about women's roles in the church?
0: Yeah, yeah, just the. Um, that um on the board you and uh, melanie got into a little bit of an exchange um and maybe you can kind of review what your uh concerns were
1: well my my biggest concern was she stated that she liked to pray to our mother in heaven uh that's just it's not the way things work um our, our father in heaven is the one who who makes the covenant with us who promises to help us and he's the one we pray to for guidance and help, and he sends the Holy Ghost. It's just, there's how do you even pray to your heavenly mother when you don't even know what her name is? Our, our mother in heaven, I guess. Or I know there was a big issue with that in the Old Testament, that, that there were a lot of people that began to worship our mother in heaven, and, and the father had to give the order to the prophet to to put those things down, to tear tear, tear down their shrines and stop their festivals they were having in the mother's name, because it was just... It, it, it's just not the way, it's not the order of things. It, it's not the, it's not our mother in heaven's responsibility to maintain the covenants with us, so to speak. It's it, it just, it, it, it struck me as very odd that she would try to bring back something that her heavenly father's put down in the past.
0: Do you think that, though, might be troublesome to women to know that they're, they're- the um, heavenly model for their sex is silent in heavens. Their, her name is unknown. I, I'm just trying to get at maybe why it, why that's important to them um, that they bring well, this uh, up.
1: I I understand what you're saying that you know we have a father in heaven and and Christ as an example, but I think there's plenty of uh, scriptural examples of, of women and and the great things they they accomplish uh you know rebecca and the the two marys and and martha and uh i don't, I don't know what how to answer that to say the truth i <clears throat>
0: no that's fine
1: <laughs> i just we we can follow those examples that are there and and I don't know any other way to say it than, than that the woman's role is to create an environment that the Spirit can dwell in. I think they do that very well in the church. I know uh, in a recent interview with uh, Apostle uh, Bednar, he stated he couldn't do his job as an apostle without his wife. He takes her everywhere, and she's his strength and and, and his support, and he, he leans on her, uh, and they are one in the calling. He carries the title of apostle, but he needs her as his support to do the job he does. And uh, I know that when he goes on speaking assignments, he brings her with him, and she speaks first, and then he comes up and speaks. And, and they act as a team, uh, and that is really the woman's role in, in, in the gospel is to be that foundation, that place he can go back to and, and refuel and refresh himself. The same reason we go to church on Sunday and and renew covenants and and take strength. Uh, uh, A woman does that for a man who has to carry the responsibility of the priesthood.
0: Okay. Enough about women. Um, Why does the world need Mormonism? What is the message of Mormonism to the world that it needs?
1: Well, like I said before, to to know who God is, to know who God the Father is, to know that, that we have such potential um, to know that god God is a God of order. Uh, look at how many different Christian faiths there are that believe in different things. Some say you need to be baptized, some say you don't um, with Mormonism you get the the priesthood authority and know that our heavenly Father works the same way he did in olden times. Um, the priesthood is all throughout the new testament the um, baptizing, uh, laying on of hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost, um, being called and ordained to serve, all of those things are represented in the, in the New Testament. And those things exist now today. Um, the priesthood is there so that people can make covenants with God, so that they can be baptized, so they can take on the name of Jesus Christ and understand that he expects things of them. Um, faith and works go hand in hand just like The blades on a pair of scissors, Uh, uh, grace and and works work hand in hand. We are saved by grace through Christ, but he also expects us to keep our end of of the covenant to bear his name with a responsibility. Uh, The priesthood authority is key. Uh, Ordinances and covenants are necessary and key things. Uh, They bind us to our Father in Heaven with promises on both ends. Um, Mormonism brings to the world the gift of the Holy Ghost, where we can receive guidance and counsel from our Father in heaven through the whisperings of the Spirit. He will always bring us past the point we already were before. Uh, when we ask ourselves, what's the most important, the important commandment of God? It's whatever one, the one the Holy Ghost is whispering into your ear at the time to help you improve yourself and grow. He educates our conscience and, and teaches us how to grow closer to God. Uh, these are the things Mormonism brings to the world. Additional revelation, a living prophet, more scripture. Um, yes, w- yes, the world has the Bible, and our Heavenly Father worked to make sure everyone in the world knew who Christ was. But in that same sense, he brings us additional scripture. And the more we read, uh, the better ear we have to understand how the Holy Ghost works, because the scriptures teach us to, how to listen to the Holy Ghost. Um, that's
0: what Mormonism brings to the world. So, Mike, in this interview, I, I feel like it's a little bit harder to get at you um, <laughs> uh, because we keep going, like, into the the, the church. Um, so maybe I want to talk more about you and, and, and your interpretation of, of it all. Do you think that sometimes the individual gets lost in the message, that Mormonism sort of has a way for you to be and your value is how well you conform to that? uh know that the the great thing about the church is
1: is that you know where whereas that you always hear about uh jesus christ and and joseph smith uh really the important part of the Mormon faith is getting to know the Holy Ghost because he's going to respond to you as an individual and help you balance your life out with your own personality your own per uh quirky quirkiness and teach you how to apply the teaching of the church in your own personal private life i don't i don't think you really can get lost in the church unless you really you'd have to really ignore the promptings of the spirit to to lose yourself in the church uh, i there's some great examples in my own ward of of great men who when it comes time to speak in church and do those things, they really can call down the Holy Ghost. But, you know, their personality is so strong as an individual, it really shines through. Uh, it's kind of hard to talk about, I guess, unless without introducing these type of people. But
0: You mean in a good way or a bad way their personality shines through?
1: In a, in a really good way. Um, everybody has individual gifts of the Spirit. Uh, some people have great senses of humor. Uh, some people are great at organizing. Some people are great at knowing everybody's name. Some people are great at uh, bringing in the Holy Ghost and bearing a strong testimony. And all of these things are needed in the church, and there's no real one way to be. Um, the way to be is just uh, loving and, and full of the Spirit and and desiring to help one another. But everybody's individual personality is needed to make the church a whole you, know, you need that guy that knows everybody's name. You need that guy that's great at organizing. You need that guy that's great at teaching. And all these personalities are needed to make the church a vibrant thing.
0: So I like that. And going back to our liberal Mormons we were talking about before, is there a place for them in the church?
1: Yeah, there is. Um, what a great thing it would be to have any of these guys on Shades Board that are so knowledgeable in church history to be teaching the gospel doctrine class when it comes to Doctrine and Covenants time. You know, all these guys that have read these journals and these people that have studied the lives of the people involved in Mountain Meadows uh, can really make these lessons come alive in a gospel doctrine class. I I don't understand a lot of them that say they feel uh, stifled or like they're losing their individuality or they they feel, I don't know, it, it strikes me as odd that they, they feel that way towards the church. That's why I made the comment on the board that got people upset that if you're unhappy in the church, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got some people mad with that comment, but really, I don't see how you can—you'd have to be doing it wrong.
0: So do you think I, there is a connection between studying church history and losing one's testimony?
1: No, but there's a comment I heard a while back they tell the Catholic Church the Pope is infallible and nobody believes it. And the Mormon Church tells everybody that the prophet is fallible and nobody believes that. <laughs> you know, it, it, they're men. They, they, they had weaknesses. They're, they failed sometimes. They succeeded sometimes. But they're also prophets. I mean, you read about Noah getting drunk and, and fighting with his children. You read about Job running from his calling and, and, and uh, or Jonah. Um, you know, there's a dozen, there's all kinds of examples in the scriptures of of these guys are just men, but they're men who have learned to listen to the Holy Ghost and have done great things, but in the end they're just men.
0: So I, I really like that view, um, and we just got done listening to conference a week or two ago, and how would it be if at the church, or at the end of conference, they were less sort of bombastic and more sort of you know, we're trying our best, but, you know, we're just guys, and gosh darn it, sometimes we make mistakes. So, um, you know, we're doing our best, and we want you to do your best and nothing else, rather than more the strict sort of um, rhetoric they tend to slog around. I don't know.
1: I, li- I like to think that you teach everybody to shoot for the stars, and may- hopefully most of the children make it to the top of the trees, you know. You, you set a high standard, and-, and you encourage people to reach it, and, you know, you, you hope for the best. Uh, I think that's why a lot of people like Jay Golden Kimball so much. And to look back at his, his old talks, you know, he was he was very real and 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 kind of brought down a little bit of the sanctimoniousness of it. But you also get great talks like Brother Monson at the last conference and his little puff balls of love and and things like that. You know, that brings a certain amount of humanity to it. But I I think that's what you get a lot of the uh rougher stuff that people have a hard time with at conferences, you know, you're, you're trying to set the goal high and get everybody something to to reach for and
0: try for. So what is your personal favorite part of the church? Uh,
1: the doctrine.
0: Uh,
1: I I I can't get enough of, uh, I got all these books on my shelf that I, I'll go down to Deseret every night and I'll pick up a Nibley or I'll pick up a Neal A. Maxwell book or, or and I have a hard time finishing any of them because I'm excited to go on to the next. one. I've always I got about a dozen books I've started the first three chapters on because you read something on Shades Board or, or something you hits you and you want to look this up. And it's it's amazing to me the more I read, the more threads are sewn into the great tapestry that's the, that's the doctrine of the church. It just connects on so many levels and, and sheds new light on things you used to look at one way and then you'll find out this new part of the of the gospel doctrine and wow look at it this way and and there's no end to the knowledge you can find in the church. Uh, was it Neil A. maxwell said the inexhaustible gospel it, it just it it goes on and on and on and and you can't stop learning and you can't stop seeing well Christ taught this because he's trying to get this doctrine through to you. It's, it just amazes me how deep the doctrine gets and how far it can take you as you as you continue to study. I, I, I trust myself because my memory is so poor, <laughs> you know. Because if, if I could just grasp all these things and focus them, and it, I understand what Joseph Smith meant—that the the gospel is a a flood before my eyes all the time—and you try and stick a cup out and catch some of it and share some of it—it's it, just amazing to me the, the doctrine of the church. It's so deep and so rich and, and brings so much light to so many things.
0: Okay, so if there was something in the church that um, you could change, what would that be? Uh, I think it's the
1: idea that, that things have to be a certain way all the time. Like, I don't know how many people know that there's no written rule that the bishopric has to sit on the stand at a sacrament meeting. Uh, that, that, that's not written down anywhere. They just it's just kind of an old habit and you know, the idea that uh I don't know. I I'd like to take the exuberance you get from a uh, a born again Christian and try and infuse that into the Ward and the uh the respect and, and the desire to know the gospel that you get from the Jewish religion and apply that and uh, I don't know, it just I think the church has so much ability and it's just the members just seem like they're half asleep. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like (sighs) there's so much there. And if they just get up and grasp it and run with it and and the great things they could accomplish, I'd love to see the faith of the early members of the church to have the the members today do it, to, to go out and lay on hands and, and raise the dead and heal the sick. I know that happens a lot and you hardly ever hear about it anymore, but I just I'd love to see that Pentecostal thing come into people that have the fullness of the gospel.
0: Yeah, and you're right. That's the way the early church was. Much more Pentecostal, speaking in tongues and, and um running around and, and having a good old time.
1: Well they had they had to kind of calm down some of the quakers. <laughs> These things are to be done in order, you know. So, so now you, supposed to be a reverence.
0: You you described the members as sort of half asleep I and mean, that's something I've noticed too. Why do you think that is?
1: I think it goes back to everybody has their own personality. I know guys that you know in in the young men's group in the priest corps, they know every one of those boys by name, they know what they need to do to get their eagle scout award and uh but when it comes to teaching the gospel and sharing doctrine they feel very uncomfortable with it they don't enjoy sitting down and reading and and digging these up truths up and you know they like it when I get up and share it but they're not they don't want to do it themselves and I think that's there's nothing really wrong with that you need those people that are more into the scouting program you need those people that are more into let's get the boys out and play football with them uh, I don't know it. it Everybody has their own personality, and, and it, it'd be nice if you could infuse those personalities with uh, uh, a desire to learn and apply the gospel more.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So, Mike, why do you want to be on this podcast? I just I, – I want to be
1: the one that says you guys are screwing up. Uh, you know, the gospel is a beautiful thing. It, uh, I can't use that phrase. That's cussing. But <laughs> <there's>, <laughs> it's like they're trying to f- pick the fly crap out of the pepper. You know, it's, it's, it, they're so focused in on this. I mean, we have no exact way that we know that Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon. Hiram got up and asked, okay, Joseph, let's let everybody know. And Joseph said, no, they don't need to know that. We don't know exactly how the Book of Abraham was translated. We're never going to know. We There's there's people that state that they saw the scroll went down the hallway and filled up the living room. And all we have is the hypocephalus and we say this and that about how Joseph translated the book of Abraham. Let's open the book and see what amazing things are in the book of Abraham. Let's compare it to the other books of Abraham we found in the world and see how they fit together like cogs in a clock. I mean, the gospel is so rich and we sit here and pick apart how did joseph do this and how did joseph do that and and what about this you know people get all upset about polygamy well Christ came from a polygamous family you know uh, you know all of Christ's ancestors were polygamous david's wives were given to him by god okay we know polygamy was a commandment of god and that he practiced it in different times and joseph practiced it too let's move on you know let's embrace the amazing doctrines and and See how much of this we can apply in our lives and our families, and, and let's get the blessings of the Holy Ghost that are there for us. And stop picking apart all these things that you just don't know, and you're not going to know.
0: Okay. Do you fear any uh, negative repercussion for being involved in this project?
1: No, not at all. I, I don't see any kind of negative repercussion. I can't imagine any. Where do you think I'd get some from?
0: Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but um, if you've noticed uh, – a great deal of the people who come on this podcast um, either use just their first name or use aliases, or and I'm talking both uh, members and non-members. I, of course, use my full name, and some others do too. But there seems to be this uh, underlying fear, and that that goes to the boards and to the uh, blogs and uh, all sort of around the online community. I, I'm, I'm not, I don't quite understand it myself.
1: Well, I, th- I think. It- it's, it might not be the best idea in the whole world to use my last name. You know, I could get a, a letter bomb <laughs> or something. Maybe you can edit out that statement. <laughs> don't <laughs> encourage anybody to send me a letter bomb. <laughs> but
0: but you, uh, you don't fear don't, any, any I, I repercussions. I try to just
1: use my first name or try to use Gazellum on Shade's board or, uh, you know, there's the internet crazies that you could worry about, I guess. I suppose.
0: Okay, well, I if well, maybe you're
1: thinking the church was going to give me
0: repercussions or something, no. I, I, well, I think <laughs> some people are. Some people have expressed that fear um, at Sunstone. I always get a wide-eyed
1: look. Uh, I go into uh, my temple recommend interviews, and they say, "Do you associate with anybody negative towards the church?" And I mention I go on these message boards and talk to anti Mormons, and they always give me a wide-eyed look, like you do that, <laughs> which I, I always makes me giggle, but.
0: Well, I've I've long held that um a, a lot of the fear of the church is unwarranted. Um I I do know there have been some circumstances out there where people have been um unduly persecuted in terms of uh disciplinary councils and stuff like that, but I think uh I find the church to be mostly harmless.
1: Yeah, they're they're there to help you and help you grow and if they give you any guff it's it's usually done with a idea that, you know, maybe you're heading to somewhere we, you shouldn't head, and we just want to rein you in and help you, but I don't I don't ever see anybody trying to hurt anyone in the church.
0: All right. Well, Mike, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I appreciate your uh, frank conversation this evening, and I admire your uh, courage to kind of stand up for what you believe in the face of uh, mostly opposition.
1: Oh, I, I really enjoy it. I, I, I love uh, coming on and, and talking about these things. I, I really enjoy it.
0: Just one thing, uh, you got to promise me you're going to try to stop calling my guest to repentance.
1: <laughs> Isn't that part of my job as a priesthood holder? <laughs>
0: uh, that's probably a discussion for another day. But Anyway, Mike, thanks a lot.
1: All right, thank you for having me. All okay,
0: right. thanks again, Mike, for coming on. Um, if you'd like to contact Mike or uh, um, follow a discussion on any of this, this podcast or any of our others, please head to the website at mormonexpression.com. You can also send us a message at mail at mormonexpression.com or call us at 801-906-6722.